Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. All right, can we just give it up one more time for Mr. David Brooks? (laughs) How's everybody doing today? Um, it is a blessing and an honor just to be in your guys' presence. Um, to be honest, man, that music was um, delightful. I think that's a good word for that, was delightful, because it made me feel like I was sitting next to Jesus. It made me feel like he was just sitting up above me, and I was able to just feel his presence. So, hey, you are doing your job very well. So, um and, and to be honest, um, just to feel the atmosphere of this room is just astonishing. And, and it's a breath of fresh air. Um, I, I want to thank Stephen and Melanie for um, allowing me to come and speak to you guys. Um, I will tell you how I met them. Uh, I came from by way of Houston, Texas, and I moved up in uh, 2006 or so, 2000. And I... When I had moved, I went to the Poconos first, and then I came to Maryland, to Frederick. And while I was at a, um, we were new at a church, and and they had come to uh, give prophetic word. And in that, um, you know, I was, you know how when someone comes up and they say they're going to give prophetic word, you're like, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people say that they're going to do something, but it's just not real. Like, they just, they're just kind of going through the motions. And so we sat down with them, and they had a, a little tape recorder, and they, they, um, they pushed pl- uh, record, and they started talking. And as they were talking, I'm just listening to them talk, and they were saying things about me that a lot of things I had never told anybody before. Um, they even talked about some uh, abuse that I went through as a child, um, and it was just like, all right, now hold up, now they, this is going a little too far now. And so, in the middle of this um, um, prophetic word, um, to my knowledge, I didn't even remember. And so, I had bought this Cadillac, um, and and. I was going through, I think, some of my um, tapes that I cleaning out a box. And in that box, I found this little white tape. And I was like, what is on this tape? Like, it didn't have a name and didn't have anything on it. And so I remember the only tape recorder I had or player was in my Cadillac. And so I got in my Cadillac, I put it in, and I started just listening to their words. And this was 10 years later. And in that, they talked about um, me opening up a business. And they said that, I know you don't see it right now, but you will have a business. And they said they kept seeing a white picket fence. And so in that, um, it's amazing that um, the business that I have, I have a blue gate that is very distinct blue, and the rest of the fence is white. And so when I listen to this, I'm just saying this is literally playing out in my ears as I'm looking back on my life. And I was like, this is what prophetic word is. Do you get what I'm saying? Like that really was the essence of it. And so with that, I still didn't know who they were, even when I listened to the tape. And so a friend of mine kept telling me there's somebody I want you to meet. I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to connect you guys on Facebook. And then next thing you know, I speak to Miss Melody. She asked me to come up and do some recordings. And as she's talking to me, I'm like, I've heard that voice before. And then all of a sudden, I was like, hold on. Do you know Pastor Mary Ellen and Chris Geesland? And she goes, yeah. I went, I'm, and I go, I think you did a prophetic word for me. 
and then it was just literally, now I'm here. So, um, so this was 10 years in the making, literally 10 years in the making, and I will tell you that you guys uh, have wonderful leadership, and I am blessed to know you guys. So, um, you know, we've been, me and my wife, we've been going through a lot um, here lately, and um, uh, her father uh, had just passed probably about two weeks ago, maybe about, and, and he was in the hospital back and forth, and you know how now in the hospital you can't go in to see your loved ones, um, but he did uh, fight his way out. And he fought his way out of the hospital, but then uh, ended up passing away like two or three days after. Um, in that, um, I, I've watched my wife grieve um, this loss. And, and just because, you know, we look at the COVID and, and all of the craziness that comes from it. But the one thing that I will hold on to in this is that after the swine flu, there was a great revival. And I truly believe that this is what God is preparing for us right now is we are about to enter into a great revival. God is going to move people that people that understand that the hand of God is moving right now, that we know that he is moving in a way that he is positioning us to be in the perfect place and the perfect timing for everything that he has for us to offer. It's a scripture, 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, it says, no eyes have seen, no ears have heard, and no heart can conceive the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Am I, do, do you understand what that means? He says that he says that if we love him, he has things for us that we have never seen before, that you have never heard before. And he even takes it another step that says even your heart can't even conceive the things that I have prepared. I don't know about you guys, but I am ready for that. Am I correct? I don't know, but, but I'm telling you, whenever you imagine that God can show you something that you've never seen before, that is amazing because I know I've seen a lot of things. I've seen some, some gutters, I've seen some streets, and I've seen some, some I, I will say some of these office rooms are worse than in the gutters, you know, because it, it can get very nasty. People, people just love to have things and stuff. And so uh, with my father-in-law passing away, we got a chance to go into his life and literally clean uh, a whole house full of stuff. He lived by himself. And with that, I was able to watch these things come out out of boxes, out of tops, out of drawers. And it was things of he was on the Intrepid for years and, and all of the military things that, he, that we pulled out and we're just looking at it. He has newspapers from 1950s. He had um, just encyclopedia knowledge books of just, um, he was a plumber, had all types of information for plumbing. And it was just tons and tons. He kept every card that he had ever received, and it was there. He even had cards that hadn't even been sent off that he had prepared to send out. But the thing about this, I started to look at it, and I kept looking at it, keep coming out, and I was like, man, this is a lot of stuff. And, and in that, I, you know, I was thinking about this, um, this sermon and, um, and being able to speak to you guys. And in that, I, I'd, I've known about this probably about a month or two or so. And I kept praying to God. I said, lead me, teach me, tell me what you want me to say. And he never would give it to me. Literally, he never would give it to me. I've been praying since we, I've, been, I've been fasting with my wife and my family, and today is the last day of our fast. And as I was fasting, I was like, God, impart me exactly fresh manna to give to these people. I'm going into watching um, the, I was watching ESPN last night, and then it was the McGregor fight, I think it was, and then I'm still sitting there. I'm still waiting for a word. You don't understand. This was still not here. So after, so now you know I watched that, and then all of a sudden I saw that he had lost, and, and I was 
just kind of, okay, well, I, all that talk was for nothing. But, that, but neither here nor there. But then all of a sudden, I turned the TV off, and I put on some music, and I sat there for a second, and about 12.30, it came to me. And I wrote it down on this right here, and then I printed it out, and I haven't looked at it since. <laughs> so you guys, I don't know what you guys are going to get. <laughs> I'll be honest to you, you guys are going to be just as amazed as I am with this one. But I will tell you, though, it, it is exactly what I believe God has for me to say. And it goes right in line with the information that I've been reading. He told me to read Matthew 6 and Matthew 19, and I've been reading that for a month straight. But I didn't know what part of it, because it has so much information, I didn't know exactly what he wanted me to say. But the one thing that he wanted me to talk about is stuff. He wanted me to talk about all of this stuff that we have. In that, when we look at stuff, it says that we have probably over 300,000 things in our house. 300, the average home has 300,000 items in your house. Paper clips, pencils, just tons of stuff. It said that if we gave away one item every day, we probably wouldn't even miss it. So what are we doing? We're just starting to collect stuff. And God doesn't like us to collect stuff. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So I'm going to start off in 19. And in 19, the, the chapter, he talks about, he comes in, Jesus comes in, he departed from Galilee, and then he headed to the region of Judea. It says that he was uh, walking with great multitudes and they were following him. And he went around and he was healing all of them. And that was right in line with what she had said today. That was amazing. So the Pharisees also came to him at this time testing him. And in that testing, he says, they say to him, is it lawful for a man to to divorce his wife or just for any reason. And see, he, this was one of those little trickeries. You know, people are always trying to trick us and trick Jesus, but Jesus always has something for them. Um, he replied um, as they were talking about, because then he goes in and he says, you know, no man can divide what, what, man, what he has put together. And then they go, well, but you let Moses, Moses, said, and he goes, okay, I got an answer for that. He said, because your hearts were so hard and I allowed this to happen, I allowed you to divorce, but it was only for sexual sins and pretty much being immoral. Those are the main reasons that he gave for divorce. I don't even want to go there now, but we are divorcing like crazy now. Marriage doesn't even look like marriage anymore. It's, it's like a handshake, and if it doesn't work out, then it just doesn't work out. We move on. We just dust our hands and move on, but that's not what God had. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. That's just a little side note. Um, but then it goes on um, to say that his disciples said to him after the talking about this, he, they said, that why not even, why, why even get married? There's no point. If we can't, if all of this is wrapped up around this, why we just was live our life and not get married? And God said, no, 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 no. You don't want that one. You don't want that one because that's a special calling. And then he talked about the Enoch and then how they come about. He said some are make themselves, some are born that way, and then some even have men that make them that way. And so whenever he talked about that, he talked about that's a special gift that it's, it's like a calling whenever you get to that point where you just never want to marry and you just want to focus on the word. But then he moves on from that. And this is where I came in to play is that after the right after this conversation about with the disciples, then the little children came running up to him. And then the disciples jumped in front of him. No, move back. You know, his bodyguards moved him back. He goes, no, move, move to the side. Never for, forbid children to come to me. And whenever he said that, I started to kind of, that's when my ears kind of perked up because it's like these children are just like an innocence. It says that they even, that this is such like the kingdom of, of heaven, these children. So they're like breath of fresh air. I have four of them. 
uh, uh, 12, 11, 10, and 8. And sometimes I have to wonder when I read that scripture, like, are children really that way? Because, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, my kids can be a handful. Like, me and my wife, we look, and they're all boys. And so, literally, whenever I go, like, I walk in the house sometime and something's broken, I just look and just keep on walking. <laughs> it's because I try not to just connect mentally with that because I'll just lose my mind, you know? When you see, like, the oven glass just shattered and a couple marbles on the floor, you just kind of just walk on by. And you just look and be like, that looks like that's a problem. You got me? But this is what God led me to teach you guys. Go to 19 and starting at verse 6. It says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Now, that was a good one. Which one do, do I need to? That was a pretty slick answer. Back, and then he says, well, Jesus said to him, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness and honor your mother and father. And you shall love your neighbors as yourself. Now, he gives a couple of the commandments, but not all of them. I don't know exactly why I didn't study that long, because I told you it came at like 1230 last night. So I didn't get a chance to really go into why would he only pick a couple of the commandments. But this is the deal. So then the young man says, all these things I have kept from my youth, do I still lack? I mean, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go Sell what you have and give to the poor, and you, let me switch, will have treasures in heaven and, and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. Dear God, I just thank you right now for the word that's going to be spoken, dear Lord. I want you to move in this house, dear God, in a way that you have never moved before. I ask that you penetrate hearts, dear God. I hope that you change minds, dear God. And I hope that you elevate and equip them to go and live out the rest of their life the way that you ask us to live it. And we just call this all in the honor of your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So now let's talk about this. Now, this scripture is uh, the, the, the part that really got me was he said, do you want to be perfect? Now, 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 we all know Jesus is much smarter than that. He knew that there was nobody perfect. But see, this guy said, oh, the rules? Oh, I got the rules. Rules, I can do rules. All of those been doing those since I was a young boy. You know, I, I could imagine him saying my dad was probably a pastor. My my wife, you know, my dad was an elder. My mom worked in, in Sunday school, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden he said, I have been doing this since I was a child. Jesus said, okay, all right, so you want to be perfect. You want to be perfect. You want to know, you, you know, I do addictions. Most of the things that I do, I work with people that are addicted to drugs. I, de I deal with people with mental health. But my favorite is criminal behavior. I love it. Because it's one of those behaviors that most people don't understand. And whenever you see that person that's committing a crime, breaking in your house, keep taking your money, borrowing money, you know, sneaking in the bathrooms, all that kind of stuff. You know, every time you catch them, they're just stunned like a deer in the headlight. You, you guys probably don't know anybody like that, but I work with people like that. All right. And it says that in the, in, the, in the belief systems of a person that struggles with some type of addiction, there's normally four types of belief systems that are faulty. The very first one says that I should be perfect. That's the first one that usually causes addiction. The second one is, is, is that I should be all-powerful. The third one, it says that I should be able to have anything that I want. And the fourth one says that life should be without pain and require no efforts. Those are the four 
basic belief systems that cause people to be addicted, to be workaholics, to be drug addicts, to be whatever it is. When people are addicted, normally it's due to one of those belief systems. All right. There's a book um, that's called uh, uh, Willpower is Not Enough, if you want to look that up. It's a very good book to read for anybody that's suffering from addictions or got a family member and you want to learn more. Read that. I didn't write it, so it doesn't matter to me. But it, if it was mine, I'm like, go, it's right there. Go get it, you know. But, um, but the thing about this is that Whenever you feel like you're perfect, and, and, and it's amazing, if you look at those four belief systems, it reminds me of Lucifer. It reminds me of the devil, because the devil always wanted to be perfect in the eyes of, of, of his father, ultimately. You know, Jesus, he, I mean, God, he wanted to be perfect in his eyes. And then what did he want? He wanted all the power, am I correct? He was like, why can't I be lifted up? And then he always wants what he wants. That's just what he does. He says that he moves and he, he devours because he just wants what he wants. And then the last one, he just doesn't want to work hard. Have you ever met people who don't want to work hard? Don't they just make you mad, don't they? I know they do because you're sitting there and you're like, come on, do something. Come on, wait. But they don't want to work for it. They want it. They want to be envious. They want to see it from afar but not put the effort in to go get it. That's a whole nother, I'm not even going there. But so the thing was, is that he knew that he wasn't perfect. So what did he do? He said, okay, I got all of those down pat, all the rules, all the commandments. I got those down. So Jesus then says, okay, well, let's just hit this nail on the head. Go and sell everything that you have and go give it to the poor. Crushed him. Literally crushed him. Like it was, it was like to the point where he was just like trying to figure out exactly what it is that, that he had to do. Because the thing was, he said that if you just do this, you will have treasures in heaven. But this was just way too much. Like as soon as he said, go sell everything, yeah, he just stopped listening. I know, I'm just looking at this and, and it literally, as soon as he said sell everything, his whole life. His status, you know, his house, his car, you know, the Tesla, the truck, you know, got the rims on it, you know, got the hitch on the back. You know, we can't give all that up. But that's what he was asking him in that moment was to do. Am I more important than all of your stuff? So then he talks about. So when he talked about this treasure in heaven, I'm now I'm going to jump over to. Matthew 6 for a second, chapter 6. And, and in Matthew 6, it talks about these treasures. And it says, it says, do not lay yourself for, do not lay up yourselves um, treasures on, on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. That's those criminals I was telling you about. They will take it. Um, but, but lay up for yourselves the treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust um, destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that was 19 through 21. He's, he's showing you, it's like he's, he, he gave the foundational information in Matthew 6, but then he jumps and then he shows you the applicable aspect of it in 19 he, he gives you the true like before it was like a theory you know as he's talking but as soon as in 19 then he makes it real and it makes it tangible so then it moves over to, to 6 and 24 it says that no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one or love the other or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other you cannot serve God and stuff I mean, this is what the, the word says. It says you can't do both. One of them is either God or stuff. See, but you guys don't understand, though. But this is, this is real. You cannot serve God and stuff. Like, that should be, I, I could end right there because I'm going to tell you, that's enough right there. Because when you start to look at all your stuff, how many people got a lot of stuff? People buy bigger houses to put more stuff in it. 
You got me? Like, like, like people do. Like, people, I can't do that because I need, I got way too much stuff. And so whenever we start to look at all of this stuff, it moves us down to this man. And the word he said was sorrowful. That this man became sorrowful. Do you, do, do you understand what sorrowful means? It's, it's deeper than sad. What was he sad about? Really and truly, what was he sad about? I'll tell you what he was sad about. He was saddened because he just could not get himself to let go of his stuff. He just couldn't. He, he, he knew, like, is that the only thing that he could have had? He could have asked me for every, anything else except my stuff. I remember one time my, my son, uh, I, he had um, some quarters, and I needed the quarters, and I was like, hey, um, can I get the full quarters? I'll give it back to you. And he was like, give me a dollar. So I reached in my pocket. I have no dollars. I, get, I have a five. I was like, here, I'll give you a five. Give me the quarter. He was like, no. I got four of these. You got one of those. No. I was like, son, but you can get 20 quarters with this. But the problem is, you know what happens is, is that when we have something, we just don't want to let go. You know, I'm talking about God could literally be prying it out your hand, and then next thing you know, you just clench even harder. And what happens is, is when you keep on clenching on stuff, then he stops trying to grab. Do we want God to stop grabbing things from us? Because I tell you, I remember one time I had a, uh, a Maxima, and this was back in the 90s. I, man, I thought I had me something. But I'll tell you, it was a blessing. Like, I needed that car to get to work, and I needed that. And my dad kept telling me, save your money. Make sure that you saved your money. This is not a new car. Make sure that you save your money. And then what happened? The transmission, the reverse went out. But the drive kept going. I drove it a little more. I, I mean, I just had to do a little flintstone with my foot every once in a while to reverse it. But it still kept driving, all right? But I'll tell you, Yesterday's blessing does not mean that it won't turn into a curse. Because sometime that you have, just like when he said fresh manna, he said only get what you need today. Do not store it up because I got you. This is what he's saying. He's saying you don't need to keep collecting. I got you. So then let's bring this back to the, me preparing for this. I'm praying for God to give me a, what I need to speak to you guys about. And then he tells me I will give it to you the day of. Because a lot of times we want it now. And he says I don't need to give anything to you in your timetable. I want you to wait. I need you to wait on me. Now, I'm going to tell you what normally happens. I, I wrote speeches. I've written speeches all through college. I was on the debate team. I was ranked number eighth in the nation in 2002. I love writing speeches. So whenever I got ready to do this, I was ready. Normally, I write it a month before. I table it. I get it two weeks out. I read it again, make some changes, table it. And then I'd get it the day before. And then that's how I do all of my speeches. So this one was getting me anxious. I was like, this doesn't work well with me. Like, I'm supposed to have all of this information, and I'm supposed to work on it, table it, do what I normally do for that. I can have a great talk. God says, no, I've prepared you for that. I will then give it to you the day of. And that's the way God wants us to be. He says that in the word, and I'll read you something in the word. It says, it says look at the birds of the air, and it says, for they... they they neither saw, sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So he says that, that these birds, literally, they don't gather anything. They don't sow. They don't plant. They don't harvest. They don't do anything. But he says, I feed them every single day. Aren't you more valuable than that? See, but that's why he was sorrowful, because he didn't feel it in himself. He didn't feel like he was ready for what God, when he said, how can I get eternal life? He, God really was telling him, you're not ready for that yet. And what does he do? He's going to give us the one thing that we will never let go, and he will put that in front of you. Sometimes it's your children. 
Sometimes it's, it's, it's your job. Sometimes it's your neighborhood. Sometimes it's just, just the people that you hang out with. Sometimes he t- says, I need you to stop. I need you not to do that. I need you to go. And are you ready to take that as soon as he gives it to you and say, I'll go give everything I have away and give to the poor. But see, the thing about sorrow is that we got to talk about, you know, guilt and shame. You know, so many times people put those two things in the same box. But as a therapist, I don't put them in the same box. Whenever I deal with people, I would rather them be in guilt than in shame. Because I can move someone quicker through guilt because guilt means that they ultimately have two options, but they keep picking the wrong one. You got me? That's how you feel guilty because you've been presented one option and the next thing you know, you have another one, but you just choose the wrong one. So then you feel guilty. But see, shame is much more deeper. This is what was happening with this young man. Shame is when you feel like you only have one option. When someone is selling their body out on the street and they feel like that's the only way that they can make money, they feel ashamed. They feel shame because that's the only way they feel like they can do it. Whenever we get to the point, whenever we feel like that's the only way we can make money or that's the only way we can do something and it's a negative thing, then we hold our head down because we're ashamed. In this, if this man was sorrowful, it means that he felt that there was only one option and that option was to walk away and never come back. One option. One option. That's not what God gives us. God gives us the option to choose him. Am I correct? Like, because if we choose him, we have no need for any other options. And then but when we don't choose him, we're going to live a life of shame. We see shame written all over your face every time you go somewhere. Have you ever seen someone in shame? They're miserable. They cause you to be miserable. When you walk in a room with them, you're like, ooh, I can feel the thickness in here. You know, because they're just, they're just not happy people. And the reason why they're not happy is because they just haven't chosen the true understanding. There was, a, there was an astronaut who said that he wanted to go up, go up and see the, the, the earth from the moon. That was his dream. He did it for years. Did it for years. Did all the studying. Went to college. and Did all of the training. And then he said when he made it up there and he looked back, he said it was just the earth. That after a while, it just kind of was like, this is what I have been preparing for all this time. It's just the earth. A lot of times we like to acquire things. I know for me, I'm a sneaker person. All right? No, no, I'm telling you I'm a sneaker person. When people say they're a sneaker person, no, I am a sneaker person. Like you look at my office, I got sneakers all around the, around the room. For real. I'm not joking. But this is the deal is that Every time I order a new pair of those shoes, let's say I order a pair of Jordans, they're about to release. They never will come back. I'll literally be on the, on the computer. I have my cell phone out. I have a tablet out. I have my laptop out. And as soon as 10 o'clock hits, I'm like, boom, boom, boom. And I'm waiting for it. And I'm waiting. And if you ever bought sneakers, it's a long waiting period. You're just watching this little thing go back and you're hoping that you get this pair. And then all of a sudden it says, boom, you got it. Man, you're excited. It's like the best thing. And so all of a sudden you're waiting for it to come in. You're checking the mail every day. Is it here yet? Did I get a box? No, no box. All right. And then all of a sudden it comes and then I open it up. And it's a whole thing. Like you have to get out the the nice knife and just do it really slow. Open it up and just, you know, pull the paper out. And then after that, you just put it in the side and then you just keep going. Because it's just, it was nice to have, but then all of a sudden, then it means nothing. And that's what we do in life. We just keep trying to acquire things to make us feel better. 
because it makes us feel better. But every time we buy something, Amazon got it. They even give you give you alerts and they, they pop things up. You know why? Because they're trying to entice you. It's the addictive part of our body that literally makes us say, mm, I didn't know I needed a remote holder. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I didn't know I needed a remote holder. That would, would go good right beside of thing. And then all of a sudden you're like, and it's only four dollars. You know, and it'll be here tomorrow. You got me two days, got to have it, got to have it. Just go ahead. And then you get it, and then you're like, what am I going to do with this? It doesn't even fit well. You don't even feel like returning it at only $4, so you just set it to the side. But imagine what happens when we keep doing this. When we kept Facebook Marketplace, oh, that looks good. That looks good. I think I need that little trampoline on the side. I think I'll start working out now. You got me? I'm, I'm talking about I have a lot of, like, workout um, um, clothes. clothes. Yeah, it, it, it ends up with clothes and boxes. on My treadmill, very lovely treadmill. But it, it's, it's always got a couple boxes on it, you know. And, and so, but it's, it's a nice talking piece. You got me? But that's what we do. We just keep acquiring and keep acquiring. But see, God tells us exactly how to deal with this. I'm, I'm not going to stir this up and then not tell you how to fix it. So let's talk real quick. I'm going to read you the rest of this scripture. It says, it says, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubic to, um, cubic to your statue? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the valley, how they grow. They, they, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like the, the ones of these. Now that's just amazing by itself whenever you study Solomon. Solomon just had it all. Literally, he couldn't, he couldn't get enough. It was like God would give and he would just keep giving. And it says that, that even that God wants to give us. Like he wants to give us stuff. But it's about what we do with that stuff. You see, like so many times people have all of this stuff, but they hoard it and they stack it up high. Just give it away. Do you know how many people out there would love to have that thing that's been sitting in that corner and that might start their whole life off? You know, we have that bedroom set aside for just one person when they come over and nobody ever goes in it. You know, don't you go in that room. You know, that's what, you know, everybody has that room where the kids want to go, don't you go in there. You know, but nobody's ever going in there. It's just like a, just this beautiful put together room. And it's like, why do we keep all of that stuff? Why? And I'll, and I'll explain. It says that now, now if God um, sows clothes the grass in the fields, with, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown in the, into the oven, and will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now, anytime the disciples was trying to do something and they really wasn't in it, in it, he would always say, oh, you with little faith. You know, it, it, it's like one of those, like, I feel so sorry for you because if you really understood this, how powerful you would be. Yeah. Oh, you of little faith. And then it says uh, in, th in, th in 6.32 and 33, it says, for, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. So he even says he already knows the stuff that you need, all right? And so then he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. But what are these things? Is it the stuff? Is that what it is? Is that what he wants us to get? But I believe, and this is just me, I believe that he wants you to have the things that bless other people. Like he blesses through you. You got me? Like he doesn't bless to you. He blesses through you. You got me? Whenever you go to get that new job, it's not for you to get the money. It's not the job that he's sending you to. He's sending you for a mission to touch some person. 
If you think that you're going into this job, this new thing, just to get and acquire something, you're seeing this whole thing wrong. If you go into it saying, God, thank you for this new job. Thank you for the increase. But who is it that you have me called to see? Who is it that you have for me to be called to pray on, to speak the word of life into that person? And then all of a sudden the money doesn't really mean that much. And then once you acquire that person and you bless that person, then what happens is he teaches you and then he might move you again. But just like my little boys that what said he had four quarters, we got to know when to let that go, though. Because then we start holding on to it. That's my job. That's my job. Do you know how much I worked for that? Like the resume. Like what does that really mean? A resume is just a resume. After you dead, they literally take your resume and they put it inside of a bag. <laughs> along with your other stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like all of that stuff that we acquire and all that stuff we say is who we are and this is what makes me somebody. It means absolutely nothing to God. He doesn't need your stuff. You know why he doesn't need your stuff? Because he gave it to you. You know what I mean? Like, like what, how does that make sense? That's like, that's like me giving money to my children and then they act like they can't give it back to me. I don't need their money. I'm the one that gave it to them. I just want them to be able to take $5, but then take 50 cents of it and put it in the trash. That's what means more to me than giving them the money. I want them to have their heart right. And if we're not teaching our children how to possess godly things, then what are we doing? We teach them how to get a job. We teach them how to do this. We teach them how to do well in interviews. We teach them all of this other stuff. But then we miss out and we don't teach them the main thing that gets them into heaven. Because all of a sudden, they, they, want, the, they want the boots. And they want the, you know, all the nice stuff. And then that's what they, I don't want to wear that. That doesn't have a horse on it. You got me? Like, it gets to that point where they want more stuff, and then we're sitting there arguing with them. Like, it does not matter. But in their world, when they look at the TV, when they scroll through the, book, the, through the phones and the Facebooks and the Instagram, it floods them, literally floods them with stuff. What do I need? What makes me cool? What makes me, did I get a heart? Did I get that thumbs up? Did I get a like? Did I get, did they, ooh, what's that angry for? What's that for? What's the sad, you know? And then all of a sudden their self-esteem is caught up in this stuff. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I'm telling you the truth. It's the stuff that we keep on moving that pushes us further and further from God. So then it says that, then Peter said, um, Peter answered and said, see, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that, that in the regeneration, now this is just, in, in the regeneration, now this is where it going, it's going to hit because this is what we're doing all of this for. It says, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory. It says that you who have followed me and got rid of that stuff will also sit on the 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. It says, and everyone who has left homes, left your brothers, left your sisters, left your father, and your mother, wife, children, land, for my name's sake, for his name. Once we do that, it says that you shall receive a hundredfold. We're not talking about a hundred times. See, some people, like, whenever you say seven times seven is 49, but once you say folds, 
the number gets so big that it won't even get on a calculator. Because that's what he's trying to bless you with. While you are out there trying to tangibly take all of this stuff on earth, he literally says that I have it all for you. If you just live out this vapor, now you got to understand, this is just a vapor. To, to the Lord, this is nothing but a figment of a, a hundred years. We could live this a hundred years and it's still just a vapor. And we are willing to risk our whole life eternally for this stuff. Do you guys understand what I'm saying here? Is that people are willing to sacrifice forever. The other night I had a conversation with my children about hell. You guys need to have that conversation. It's a good conversation to have because they kept asking me, but how do they keep burning forever? I was like, he goes, will they be screaming? I was like, all of that. Gnashing of teeth. Literally, I don't even know. It has to be something so profound that will allow the skin to keep burning over. It says that you will live in torture. And we are willing for that small stuff, that job, that house, the cars, the kids, the, the, the neighborhood, the everything that you have. You are willing to take a, a chance Literally flipping a coin and say, let's see what happens. On forever? I just don't see risking everything on my stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying today, guys? Is that God is asking you today to put your stuff on the line. And I don't know what your stuff is that we're talking about. I don't know. It's, it's individual. It's going to be you have that one thing. You have that thing that I promise you it's, it is there. If you look close enough, you have that thing that you aren't willing to let go. Because once you do let go of it, all of God's grace will be coming. And I think what happens is, is I think we forget who Jesus is. If we wake up in the morning and we forget who Jesus is, that is the reason why we start to look at stuff. Because when we know who he is and what he does for us, none of that stuff matters. Amen. When we know that God is truly the number one person in our life, there's not a thing in this world that will hold me back. I'm telling you, people, people, man, I, during Christmas time, every, for the last five, six years, I've given and led to give people that are homeless bags. Literally, I walk my kids out to the middle of the streets in the middle of the woods, and we go out and we give out a hundred bags to the homeless that have sleeping bags, that have warm clothes in it, and I don't ask anybody for a dime. Do you know why I don't ask anybody for it? Because I know God will always provide it. No matter what. Every person that's in treatment or in, 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 in Maryland, in Frederick County, in Washington County, in Carroll County, we literally go and give these gifts to them every Christmas that has the Bible in it, that has something warm and clothes and just things because Jesus calls us to be the hand of the hand of him when we get so caught up in ourselves we're missing the whole point God didn't give you that great idea for you he gave you that great idea for somebody else stop holding on to all of your stuff somebody might need to go home and go into that room or that garage or that just that thing that they've been putting aside and just saying, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. Because there's poor out there that would love to have the stuff that's been sitting in your house probably for years. Never moved one time. Hasn't moved one time. Start giving that stuff away. That's what, 
this is about. When he said to that young man, he said, go and give all of your possessions and go give it away to the poor. Go give it away. Why are we holding on to it? You think God's not going to give it back to you? You're one of the call. You're one of his people. You could literally give everything that you have away and he will replace it the next day. We might not know exactly where it's going to come from. We might not know that. But he will always provide. Aren't you better than the birds? Aren't you better than the, than the lilies in the valley? Aren't you? Because I believe you are. And I want, I want you to sing that song. That is a wonderful song. And your voice is delightful too. That, that is amazing. And I want you guys to reflect on how good Jesus is. I don't know if you want to stand up. I don't know if you want to kneel down. I don't know what you want to do. But if you think that the stuff in your life is holding you back, and if you're not 100%, I'm talking about 100%, because tomorrow is not promised to you. Tomorrow is not promised. We get to the point where we think that tomorrow is going to happen just because we normally wake up. But there's somebody who's not going to wake up. I'm not calling that out to anybody. I want you guys to prosper and live forever. I'm not the one that says that your time is over. No man knows the day nor the hour. And today might be your day that you are willing to let it all go for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.